Welcome to the Lion's Drive. I am Pastor Jimmy Odukoya. I pray this episode blesses you and it reminds you to become the lion that God has called you to be. Be blessed. Ark of his presence part. So quick recap. Our text is Joshua, the third chapter. And we've been reading and we've been going on a journey. And where we left off last week, and for those who missed one and two, I strongly suggest that you um, listen to the sermon. It's on YouTube, it's online, there are podcasts. I'm sure if you search it, Google it, I'm sure you'll find it. But it's important to, to get the context because we're just going to continue. Amen? Is that okay? The last thing we spoke about last week was we as human beings being resistant to change. How people realize that we don't like change. And we talked about the children of Egypt. And one of the things I said last week was, one of the things that human beings are resistant to most is change. We don't like change. We would rather retreat to the comfort of the familiar of the old than to deal with the discomfort and the possibilities of the new. I said, even when the old isn't good for us, we find solace in the familiar and sometimes even self-sabotage to do this. Again, our text is Joshua, the third chapter. Because of time, I will not read it again. Please, I strongly suggest that you listen to sermons um, one and two. Now, can we put Exodus 14 on the screen, please? Exodus 14, 11 to 12. I want to read something to you. Exodus 14, 11 to 12. I'm going to read the NKJV version. Amen. It says this. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. For people who have been enslaved for 400 years, God sends them a deliverer. And the response they have to their deliverer is, why have you brought us out of captivity? Sometimes captivity can become so familiar. They were saying to him, it is not better for us to die as slaves or to live as slaves than to die free. It's not better for us to be in captivity. God had brought them out of Egypt, but Egypt was still in their minds. Somebody say, we don't like change. I'll show you another time. John 21 verse 3. I want to show you something. John 21 verse 3, NKJV. This is Peter, Petrus, the one that Jesus said, Upon you I shall build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. That Peter. 
Peter that told the Lord, I will never deny you. Peter that was quick to pull out a sword and cut off the ear of the man that came to Jesus. You remember the story? Peter speaks in John 21 verse 3. He says, Simon, Peter said to them, what does he say? I am going. And they said to him, we're going with you also. And so they went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. You must understand that this wasn't the Peter that we had come to know. As a matter of fact, the last time Peter had touched the nets was in Matthew 4.18. Matthew 4.18 to 20. Put it up. I want to show you something. Matthew 4.18. It says this, NKJV. And Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee. And he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were what? They were what? Then he said to them, follow me. Follow, and I will make you. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Quick side note for somebody. You've been trying to make yourself. And Jesus is saying to you this morning, follow. It is I that will make you. Stop trying to make yourself. Follow. So he says to them, follow me and I will make you. And they leave their nets and they followed him. And that was the last time we knew that Peter was a fisherman. At that point, Jesus says, follow me. You fish, but you're fishing for the wrong thing. You're not supposed to fish for fish. I'll make you a fisher of... And from that point, Peter dropped his nets and they began to follow Jesus. But all of a sudden, we see in John 21 verse 3 that Peter says to them, Guys, I'm going fishing. Peter, I thought you were supposed to be a fisher of men. How have you reverted back to being a fisher of fish? And I began to see that in both instances, both with the children of Israel and with Peter, they were looking for the familiar because both in both situations were triggered by trouble. Somebody say trouble. Somebody say trouble. For the Israelites, for them, in the verse before, The Bible says that Pharaoh and his chariots were coming and they were looking at the Red Sea and when they saw the Red Sea, they now raised up their voices and cried to Moses, why have you done this? When they saw trouble, they began to scream. For Peter, what he had thought was going to be, wasn't. He had thought that Jesus, the Messiah that they were waiting for, had finally come back to establish his kingdom on earth. And the Jews believed that the Messiah had come to deliver them from the oppression of the Romans. So all of a sudden, we have staked our lives. We have deserted what we know. We have followed this man. And all of a sudden, somebody say trouble. The one that, thank you. The one that we have dedicated our lives to is now dead. Crucifixion, trouble. And when it looked like trouble had come, You know what Peter said? After all, the one that was supposed to make me a fisher of men is now dead. Guys, I'm going 
Somebody say trouble. He said he was going fishing. I wrote this down. When troubles come, we revert back to what is familiar. And what we know. And most importantly, what we can control. Somebody say control. It's going to get really quiet soon. It's already getting quiet. We revert back to what is familiar because of what we control, even when it's destructive, even when it's chaotic. So we go back to that bad relationship. We know it's not good for us. We, we know it's not good, but at least it is familiar. It's the, the, you're quick to hear, it's better the devil that you know. Abi, it's not better the devil that you know. It's better than the angel that you lest us. You go back to that bad relationship. You pick up that bad habit. You know that there is nothing in the end, in the, at the end of this bottle. Nothing changes. You know when you pick up that that, that smoke, nothing changes. You know, but you know. That when you look for that manner of escape, when you go and come back, the problem is still there. But yet, we revert back to what we know. That relationship, that bad habit, that bad addiction, that toxic environment. And in these two instances, with the children of Israel and with Peter... It was because they could control these situations. Children of Israel, at least, we know how slavery works. Slavery is familiar to us. Collect the bricks, make the bricks, collect small food, we are good. Somebody say control. For Peter, I cannot control... This trouble, but I know what to do. I can control catching fish. So I'm going to go back to what I know, what is familiar. Somebody say control. And then I spoke about this in showers. And here is the news flash. Control is an illusion. If we actually stop to think about it, we are not in control of. I'll say it again. We are not in control of anything. I'll prove it to you. Who woke you up this morning? Are you in control of that? Who keeps your heart beating every second? Are you in control of that? Even what we think we control, we actually don't. I'm reminded of the year 2020. As a matter of fact, everything was supposed to be double-double. And then COVID came. And all the plans and all the projections 
and all the trips and everything that we thought was going to happen, what happened in 2020? The world came to a grinding halt. People were dropping like flies. What, what matrix, what strategy, what projection could have predicted that? Let's not go far. What's Naira now? To dollar. What's, what's one two fifty? One three fifty. Somebody say we're not in control of anything. Listen, one phone call, one event, one meeting can change the trajectory of your life forever. One experience, one outlier, something random that you have no control over can shift the trajectory of your life forever. I remember when I was talking to them in showers, I said again, let's not go far. Case and point. When I was doing my plans for 2023, the plan was not to be put in my plan to be the senior pastor of the Fountain of Life Church. I don't think that was in my plans for the year. But one event one situation can shift the trajectory of your life and then you find yourself standing in for a multitude of people delivering a sermon while a couple of months back this was not the plan so when people ask me what is your four year plan what is your five year plan what is your 10-year long-term plan? I tell them, I don't know. Because I say to them, I may not know what tomorrow holds, but I hold the one that holds tomorrow. And when you're quick to realize that control is an illusion, then we, we begin to let go and let God. Let me shake more tables. Security is an illusion. What's the ratio of policemen to... How many people do we have in Nigeria? What's the population? Over 200 million? Okay, now let's do the math. Will we say the ratio of policemen to... <laughs> population one-to-one? For every one person, there's one policeman. Uh, let's try. Let's say... One to ten? Okay. <laughs> one to hundred? So wait, I know that was I'm saying for every one policeman to a hundred people. Still no. One policeman to a thousand. One to a thousand is still no. So therefore, do you now see that security is an illusion? Because unless the Lord keepeth unless the Lord keepeth a city, then what happens? The watchmen. 
when you begin to realize that we are not in control of anything, then we begin to let go and let God because we begin to take on things that we have no business worrying about. A preacher called it God weights. We take on weights that we are not built for. Our shoulders are not meant to worry about it. God says very clearly, do not worry. Because you have not control of anything. Do not worry. Because guess what? Which one of you can add a breath to your life? Can extend your life by a second? By worrying. Look to the neighbor say control is an illusion. So we revert back because of control. And remember I said that they reverted back to what was familiar because of trouble. Somebody say trouble. Write this down. But sometimes trouble is the vehicle that God uses to manifest his presence. I'll say that again. Sometimes trouble is the vehicle that God uses to manifest his presence. Sir, what do you mean? Exodus 14, 3 to 4, Amplified Version. It says this. For Pharaoh will say of the Israelites, they are wandering aimlessly in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. I, somebody say I. This is God speaking, by the way. I will harden, make stubborn, defiant, Pharaoh's heart, so that what? Somebody say trouble. He will pursue them. Why will he pursue them? It is so that I will be what? I will be what? Glorified and honored through Pharaoh and all his army. <laughs> And the Egyptians shall know without any and acknowledge that I am somebody say trouble. He who holds the hearts of kings in his hand. He says I will create trouble. For somebody who is in trouble right now get excited. (laughs) He says, I will orchestrate trouble. I will harden the heart of Pharaoh so that he will fall into my trap. Because I have decided that through trouble, I will establish my glory. And so they will see and know that I am the Lord. I'll show you another scripture. Psalm 23 verse 5. Psalm 23 verse 5. Somebody say trouble. Amplified version. It says this. We've read this many times. Read it. You. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my. You have anointed and refreshed my head with. And my cup. You know, a lot of times when I read that, 
that, that verse, a lot of times when I recite Psalm 23, I always kind of separate the first part from the second part. I say, be prayed to before me in the presence of my enemies. You anointed my head with oil and my cup runs over. And I read it and I realized that it was both sentences are in the same verse. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Somebody say trouble. If there are enemies there, there is trouble present. When your enemies are there, it is not a come let us sup together. There is trouble brewing. And so it makes sense why the psalmist would say that God is my refuge and strength. Psalm 46 verse 1. He says, God is my refuge and strength. Mighty and impenetrable. A very present and well provide. Oh, come on somebody. A very present and well provided help. In what? Somebody say trouble. He prepares a table for you in the midst of trouble. But as he's preparing it, he is your refuge and your very impenetrable strength. He is your refuge and your strength. And he is present. Now, understand, he says he is your refuge. Somebody say refuge. But you must understand that refuge is not refuge until you enter in. Somebody missed what I just said. Refuge is not refuge until you enter in. That's why the psalmist says, those that dwell, those that what? Dwell. Not those that visit. Those that, not those that visit. So this ah, Sunday, going to work. Those that dwell in the secret place of the Most High, what happens to them? They abide. They abide. That's that word again. They abide. They live. They stay connected. They abide. Where? Under. Psalm 23. He prepares a table before me in the presence of trouble of my enemies, of trouble. And then look at the next thing. He says, he anoints my head with oil and my cup. You must understand that and this is going to jump into my Psalm 23. It's interesting. I see what God is doing. We've been talking about the Good Shepherd in Thursday showers. Well, in part four, the Good Shepherd. But you must understand that the significance of that sentence, when he says he anoints my head with oil, it was that the shepherd would anoint the head of the sheep with oil. And the reason was, when they were going through tough terrain with bramble and spikes, in through terrain that could possibly get the sheep caught because of the texture of the wool on their head when they had to navigate through thorns and thistles. So what the shepherd would do 
is anoints his head or her head, the sheep's head with oil, so that where they should get caught, they simply glide through. For somebody, they have designed your trouble to catch you. (laughs) They have designed this situation for them to trap you. But he that prepares a table before you, your very mighty and impenetrable source of help, who has gone before you, already knows the terrain. So in preparation for what is coming, he takes you aside and he anoints your head with oil. So that where they thought they would trap you, you will simply glide through. I'm reminded of the scripture, those who are born of the spirit, they are like the wind. The wind blows. No one knows where it comes from or where it is going. So are those who are born of the spirits. When they want to catch you here, you will blow in a different direction. Because he's going to use trouble in that situation, in that circumstance, to announce his presence. He says, he anoints my head with oil. Also, the second reason why the shepherd will anoint the head of the sheep was also because there were certain kinds of flies that would like to come and perch on the head of the sheep. And so, it would form a barrier. So where they would try to come to perch on, they could not land because the oil served as a barrier. I'm going to say this prophetically. Where they have decided that your curses, they have cursed, they have spoken things, they have decided about your generation, about your outcome. A curse without cause cannot alight. Because your head has been anointed with oil, no matter the where they send the arrows from, let them stand. It says, who God has blessed. There's a barrier of oil on your head. So let, whether they like it or not, they can send it. It cannot land. Somebody say trouble. He will use trouble to announce his presence. Are you still with me? Look at Isaiah 62 to 3. Isaiah 62 to 3. Look at this. It says this. For in fact, for in fact darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness will cover the people somebody say but somebody say but but the Lord will arise upon you Jerusalem and his glory and his brilliance will be seen on you Why? 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 So that nations So that nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Understand that darkness must come. It is a fact. There must be trouble. Darkness must cover the earth and deep darkness so that the Lord can arise 
darkness upon you. If there is no darkness, they cannot see your light. Somebody say trouble. I want you to begin to look at trouble with a different perspective now. He says, listen, for a surety, I will cause trouble and chaos to happen. But in the midst of it, where there is darkness, you, light, will shine upon you. Why? So that nations, somebody say nations. Nations, when they look and they see chaos around and they're asking you, why do you have peace in the midst of chaos? Why are you not disturbed by the uncertainty of the economy? Why are you not troubled by how fluid and and unpredictable Naira is in the market? Why are you not shaken when everywhere around there is pressure? Darkness will cover the earth. And in fact, deep darkness over the people. But the Lord, somebody say the Lord. In the midst of trouble, In the midst of trouble. Your trouble is not meant to send you back to the familiar. Your trouble is designed for God to show up and to set you apart. Goliath was there to crown David. Don't misunderstand. God says all things, all, all things. He's the God that can use trouble for his glory. Somebody say trouble. Look at John 11. I'm looking at my time. Look at John 11, 14 to 15. John 11, 14 to 15. Look at what it says. So then Jesus told them plainly. Lazarus is what? Lazarus is what? And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there. Why? So that, so that you may believe. So that you may believe. So that you may believe. But let us go to him. So that you may believe. But pastor, there are certain things that have died in my life. I know. If God allowed it, it's so that you may, so that you may, so that you may, because of my time, I'll move on. Look at John 9. John 9, 1 to 3. I want to read something to you. John 9, 1 to 3. While he was passing by, he noticed a man who had been blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? And Jesus answered, what? Neither this man nor his parents sinned. But it was so. That the works of God might be what? Displayed and illustrated in him. Pastor, I've been going through a very tough time. And I don't understand why. And it seems like this situation has been going on for many years. And I've been praying to God. And I do not understand what is happening. Listen to me. He says, 
it is so so that the works of God might be displayed I was I was I came across a post of a woman who had been waiting for 25 years and then she had nine in her 50s I say it again She'd been waiting for 25 years for one. In the 25th year, God gave her at once. At once. In this month of glorious encounters, everything the palmer and the locust worm, has stolen. The years that you think are lost, where you have lost, the Lord in this month is restoring back to you exceedingly, abundantly, above what you can ask, think, or imagine. John 19 to 28. John 19, sorry, 28 to 30. John 19, 28 to 30. Look at this. It says this. After this, Jesus knowing that all was now finished and said in fulfillment of the scripture, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was placed there so they put a sponge, soaked it in sour wine on a branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, what did he say? What did he say? It is finished. And he bowed his head. And somebody said voluntarily. Voluntarily he gave up his Now, because of time, I'm going to respond to that with another scripture. 1 Corinthians 2, 7 to 8. 1 Corinthians 2, 7 to 8. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. The wisdom once hidden from man, but now revealed to us by that wisdom. Which God predestined before the ages to our glory to lift us into the glory of what? Somebody say his presence. (laughs) He has predestined that this will lift us into the glory of his presence. None of the rulers of this age recognize. And understood this wisdom. For if they had. Somebody say for if they had. They would not have crucified. The king of glory. If Pharaoh had known. He would not have pursued. If they had known. That the trouble that they thought they were inciting by themselves was a trap that God will use to ensnare them. They will not have. 
where they thought the Pharisees and the Sadducees were using trouble. They were finally going to catch this, this heretic and silence him for eternity. They did not know that it was all a plot to the plan. The Bible says if they had known, they wouldn't have crucified the king of glory. I say this to somebody here today. On your matter, if they had known. Ah. Because you are a covenant child of God, even your trouble is a vehicle in the hand of the master. Even your mistakes is a vehicle in the hand of the master. The ultimate chess player. The one that is five and six and ten and twenty generations ahead. He said the, 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 the kings of the ages... They did not know because it was concealed to them. But if they had known, they would have not crucified the king of, somebody say trouble. But in both instances, and when I say both instances, I'm talking about Peter who went back fishing. Incited by trouble, the children of Israel who were clamoring for slavery because of trouble. In both instances, God was pointing them towards the newness of his presence. Look at Exodus 14 verse 15. It says this, they're screaming, they're crying, trouble. And this is what the Lord says to Moses. Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go, to go in other words, why are you crying to me about the trouble? Do you not know that I am your present help in trouble? Why are you staying up losing sleep over the situation? Do you not know that I am in control of this situation too? Why, are you, why do you fret? Why do you worry about your tomorrow? Do you not know that I am already in your tomorrow? Why are you spending your time losing sleep? I give my beloved rest. Even this trouble is part of my arsenal. This trouble is part of my strategy. This trouble is what I will use to ensnare the ones who are trying to trouble you. Who is the one that wants to trouble you, oh Israel? Why are you worried? I'm asking you to go. But you don't understand. Pharaoh is behind me. My past is chasing me. My mistakes are screaming at me. My insecurity is glaring. God, I want to believe, but help my unbelief. My unbelief is staring me in the face. God, I'm trying and, and, and I'm really, I really want to go forward and I've said X, Y, and Z. But when I turn around, all I see is my situation. All I see is that empty bank account. All I see is the balance sheet not adding up. All I see is worry and all I see is lack and all I see is fear. And I know that we are not moved by what we see. And we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. But help my unbelief because when I open my eyes, all I see is trouble. 
And Jesus says, why are you crying to me? I know how this story ends. Because last I checked, the Bible says that we are more than we are more than for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you are in the midst of trouble, like the Bible says, Jesus was asleep in the middle of the storm on the pillow. Sleep. Don't worry. He says, why are you crying out to me? Tell my children to go forward. Look to your neighbor, tell them I'm going forward. Look at the neighbor, tell them I'm going forward. In my month of glorious encounters, I am walking in God's promise and I am going. Go. John 21 verse 15 to 17 and I'll stop here. John, 5, John 21 15 to 17. This is now we're dealing with Peter. We just talked about children of Israel. Now we're dealing with Peter. Remember, remember Peter had gone to fishing. He'd left everything, had gone back to fishing. The Bible says when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to me, he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my. In other words, he was saying to him, remember, remember what I told you, that I will make you fishers of men. Do not let trouble push you out of your purpose. Do not forget whom I have called you to be. So although you have gone back and you've let trouble trigger you and you've gone back into that unfamiliar, ter- in that familiar terrain that is not good for you, this is me reminding you who I have called you to be. You are a fisher of men. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. This is what I've called you to be. And for somebody here, because of my time, I'm going to stop here. You have allowed trouble to take you back into places you should not be. You've allowed trouble to cause you to compromise. For some people, you've allowed trouble to separate you from God. Because you've said, God, if you really cared, why would you allow this to happen to me? If you really loved me, why would you allow this trouble to befall me? And so, seeing as you have disappointed me, I am going to go back to what I can control. I'm going to do things in my own strength. I'm going to do things in my own way. After all, I trusted you and you let me down. Sounds like Peter who says, I'm going back to fishing. Sounds like the Israelites that say, is it not better to leave us in captivity? But understand, 
I'm speaking to somebody here because you need to remember who you are. Remember who God has called you to be. The trouble that you are facing today will not destroy you. Darkness must cover the earth. How will people know that there is a God if you do not pass through the storm and come out on the other side? But you must pass through the storm. But he says in the midst of the storm, I am your refuge and your strength. Do not forget who you are. Do not forget who God has called you to be. Doing it your own way is not working. Don't let trouble return you back to captivity. The purpose of your trouble is so that God can establish his presence. And so the world will see when they see how what was supposed to be a mess becomes your message, then they know that there is a God on the throne. When they see what was supposed to be a test become your testimony, then they know that God is on the throne. When they see what was supposed to be a stumbling block become your stepping stone, then they see that God is on the throne. What was supposed to bury you, they did not know that we were seeds. And what they thought they were using to bury us, they know they were giving us what we needed to grow. How would they know that God is on the throne? For some of you, the fact that you do not look like what you have been through is a testimony. So even in the midst of that trouble, even in the midst of that situation, let go and let God. Every head bowed. This week, the Lord bless you. This week, the Lord keep you. This week, the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. No good thing would he withhold from you this week in the name of Jesus. The lies are falling for you in pleasant places. Every crooked place is being made straight in the name of Jesus. Surely goodness and mercy shall announce you everywhere you go in the name of Jesus. His favor shall surround you like a shield in the name of Jesus. You are blessed in the city. You are blessed in the field. You are blessed in your coming in. You are blessed in your going out. You are blessed when you put your head down to sleep. Everywhere your foot tread upon, the Lord will give it to you for your possession. No weapon formed against you or your household shall prosper. If they come one way, they will flee seven ways. Those that bless you this week are blessed. Those who dare to curse you this week are cursed. He shall give you a tongue that cannot be contested. That will cause even your enemies to become your friend. Anytime you open your mouth, the Lord will fill it. You shall hear this is the way you should go and you will walk in it. The voice of a stranger you will not follow. His word shall be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path.
in the name of Jesus. Anything you put your hands to do this week will prosper. Because the Lord will establish you before kings and great men. Nations shall come to your rising. The Lord will make room for you. He shall prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. He shall anoint your head with oil and your cup will run over. And so shall it be in the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that you were blessed. And if you enjoyed what you heard, please be sure to subscribe. And if you know a fellow lion that needs to join the tribe, please be sure. Send them this link. Share this episode. God bless you.